Well, thank you um, for the privilege it is to, to worship with you uh, this morning and uh, also to preach. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, as Josh said, we are, uh, we're visiting, we're driving through on our way to Dallas, where I'm from, to visit family, and we decided to road trip it so that we could stop along the way and visit some folks we haven't seen since we moved out to Eugene, Oregon, eight years ago. Um, and as I uh, think about this sermon and the sermon text and the moment we're in, I, I, I couldn't, you know, struck by what Justin said in his prayer about uh, just the regret, the lament of whatever is meant by the, this season of COVID. Um, it felt like there for a while that season was uh, closing, uh, and yet here we are again, mass policies, um, you know, a, a new outbreak, a new variant, and I think it's really important for us to ask as, as Christians, well, what do, what do we do in a long season of struggle, um, a long season of, of pandemic, a long season of, of the world uh, functioning in a, in a way that we'd prefer it, it not? And actually, we, we have a hope that we speak of and we sing of, uh, that we believe in, that someday it won't. Um, and yet here we are. I, I think about not only COVID, but uh, I don't know if you've heard this, this phrase, but we as the church are, are uh, experiencing what, uh, what has been termed a, a, a post-Christian turn, uh, a, a time in America where the church is no longer, for good or ill, this is not an evaluative statement, it's just a true statement, is no longer welcomed at the table of power and privilege that it once was. Um, and we feel that as the church. Now, and as I think about those things in our experience, I think about uh, the Israelites, where, where we find them in our text this morning. And in Numbers chapter 6, they're in the wilderness. And throughout their wilderness experience, they ask uh, uh, this question, why have you brought us out here? Have you brought us out here because there weren't enough graves in Egypt, um, a place that is known for its graves? Maybe some of you have gone to visit them. And yet that was the question on their minds as they lived out this wilderness experience. Perhaps none of those things really hit you as strongly as maybe something along the lines of uh, Maybe it's the betrayal of your body. Um, someday all of us will be betrayed by our bodies, but some of us live with chronic pain. And not just the, the reality of the chronic pain, but the mental and emotional weight of chronic pain or chronic illness or anxiety or depression. We live uncomfortably in our own bodies and it weighs heavily on us. And we wonder, why has God brought us here, into this space, into this wilderness of our own bodies at times. Maybe it's the uncertainty of, of life circumstances. Maybe you're between jobs and don't know what's next. Maybe you long for children and uh, that doesn't seem to be on the horizon for you at this point. Or marriage or whatever. 
Maybe it's relational brokenness or betrayal that you're experiencing and you find yourself just wondering what could be the value of living in this sort of wasteland of brokenness and hurt and sorrow and regret. How do we live there as Christians with hope and joy? Well, our text today, I think, invites us to an answer. It's not the only thing we could say or that the scriptures say about that. But I would like for us to look there at what's known as the ironic blessing. I'm sure you've used it um, at times, maybe regularly as a benediction here. But look there in Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall you put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you that maybe even though we fail at times, we have a hard time, we we're, we are um, confused and can't see. We thank you that your grace extends to us in the wilderness. That your blessing is with us. Whether something I've just listed or whatever else may be going on. I pray that we will know this truth this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So let me just orient you a little bit. The, the book of Numbers um, it grammatically starts mid, mid-sentence. It's mid-story. It doesn't exist in a, on its own. It exists as a part of the story of the people of Israel um, as they experience the deliverance of God from Egypt um, and up to the border of the Promised Land. It's a continuation of, of the promise to Abraham. Deliverance of, from slavery, the covenant law at Sinai, and now this. They're in the wilderness. The, the title of the book in Hebrew is actually In the Wilderness. It's a book about life in between. A life in that post-whatever, in that COVID reality, in the struggles of life and, and sorrow and uncertainty that we all experience. Israel is experiencing in very concrete, real terms, and they're asking, God, why have you brought us here? And the book of Numbers is about life in the wilderness. And what I love about this is that this blessing is just the way it's situated, is situated in, on the front end of the book, And what's going to happen in the rest of the book is 30-something chapters of Israel going from this place on a a kind of a three-stage movement through the wilderness, only to wind up back here, still on the border of the promised land, not in it. That's what this book is about. They come full circle back to where they started at the end of the book, still on the border of the promised land, not in it. And so one of the things that I think is very important for us as we begin to think about what it looks like for us as Christians to live in the space that God has called us to live in this moment is to realize and to own and to accept the the reality that the wilderness cannot be skipped. 
as much, as much as we long for the promised land. I mean, we confessed it in our confession of sin, right? We so often strive for our own comfort. We strive for the things that we long for and actually we were made for and, it's, and have been promised to us. And yet we often strive for them out of place, out of time, out of sequence. And the reality is that the wilderness cannot be skipped in our own lives. We as Christians in some sense always live just on the banks of the Jordan Longing and waiting for the promised land, just as we find Israel here in Numbers. This is who we are. We're a wilderness people. And so as I think about that, then I think about what are the dangers in the wilderness? What are the risks to us? And I think uh, one of the things that we need to understand is that we can very quickly lose the plot in the wilderness, We can begin to think that the wilderness is all there is. We can begin to lose sight or think that God must have forgotten us or he doesn't really know what he's doing. Which is what, in some ways, Israel asks them, ask God. At some point they ask in Exodus chapter 14, they they say, we'd rather go back. We remember how our bellies were full in Egypt. They're, They're so, they've lost the plot and now Egypt looks better than being led by God in the wilderness. We can do that. I mentioned the post-Christian turn. One of the things that, that it's easy for us to do as the church when we lose something that we maybe think we had the right to, that we should have, or maybe we should have, but we lose it anyway. We can um, turn the fight to get that thing back into the point rather than God leading us in the very place he has us, which is the wilderness, which is the point. We can lose the plot and think that the position or the privilege or the, the, the people, the, the world hearing us and listening to us, valuing what we have to say is the point, rather than the God who is with us in the wilderness. One of the ways I, we also lose the plot is we think that what we see is all there is. We can become fixed on what's in front of us or what we're suffering and we lose sight of the promises of God, the bigger story. So what do we do? What's this text here for? Well, the first thing I want us to see about this blessing is that the blessing is given not as a hypothetical. It's not given as a promise. It's not given as an if-then. What, what God says is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to speak this blessing over my people. I want them to know that where they stand, and for the next 38 chapters as they wander the wilderness, 40 years, that they go in the blessing of God. They go in my blessing. Speak these words to them. Israel needs to hear the words of God that they are blessed now in the wilderness, in this place where they'd rather not be. Now, this is not to be, please don't hear me as saying that the wilderness itself is somehow good. 
or the blessing. That's not what the text is saying. That's not the point. The point is that God's blessing is with them in the midst of a very difficult circumstance. That as those things may seem mutually exclusive, they are not. They are actually go hand in hand throughout the scriptures. As, I, um, as I've thought about this and um, maybe gone through, uh, uh, I've gone th- through a, a bit of a, a wilderness in my own life, right? Um, and one of the things that I've, I've cycled back through is I've, as I've gone through that and worked through that and, and suffered through that and asked God the, the same kinds of questions, what are you doing? And actually, to be honest, if, if I can be honest with you, it's not really, I, I, that's, I said that a, a little more nicely than, than what I would say to God. Because what I've said to God is you don't know what you're doing. You can't. This makes no sense. As I think about that, I think one of the missteps maybe we make together as the people of God Maybe as the evangelical church, that's my experience of 50 years of the church, is that I think we often will tell our stories of God and his work in our lives, and we we seem to, in my experience, always tell them post-resurrection. You get what I mean by that? Like the bow's already nicely tied up around this story. And yet this blessing of God comes mid-sorrow, mid-wilderness, mid-suffering. And I think part of the application of this for us is to learn to tell our stories, lament in the midst of our sorrows, to be honest and to speak honestly of God and to realize that God is blessing us even as we cry out over our sorrows and struggles. Thus, you shall bless my people. It's easy for us to lose sight of the blessings that we have in the midst of the wilderness. And I'm not, that's not an accusation. That's, that's the struggle. That's true. And so these, this passage comes to us to remind us that we already have the blessing of God. If you've ever found yourself in, in a kind of wilderness and, and thought, maybe if I could just figure out what I did wrong so that then I could fix what I did wrong, then God will bless me. Maybe the Israelites thought that as they wandered through the wilderness. What this blessing says is, no, you go into this circumstance already having the blessing of God. Again, it's not a quid pro quo. God's not holding something back in the midst of all this. The other thing I would like for us to just notice as we look at what this blessing contains, the first thing it contains is the promise, the pronouncement that the Lord will keep us. He will bless us and keep us. He will, um, uh, he will watch over us, provide for us. He will protect us. And he will also continue on his purposes for us in the wilderness. 
The language here of keeping is, is a watchman who, who keeps watch over the city for its protection. And the promise of blessing, the pronouncement of blessing, is that God stands a post for you. He's on duty. He's a sentinel for your blessing and good. He loves you and watches over you. He keeps you. The other thing that um, jumps out is this language of his face shining upon you. This is the language of the Lord's delight in you. The Lord uh, make his face shine upon you. Again, as I said earlier, we can be tempted to think in the wilderness, in our own struggles, whatever they may be, we, we, uh, maybe one of the first questions we ask is, what have I done wrong? Or maybe something of your wilderness is because of sin. And maybe what you think is, I've sinned and God has, um, I'm, I'm sort of B-team because of it. I'm suffering because um, somehow God has removed something of his favor from me, but the promise of blessing, the surety of blessing is that he delights upon you. His face lights up when he sees you. One of the common uh, quotes that we uh, use in our circles about this is Eric Little, who, was a, who the Chariots of Fire movie was about. And he, um, he, he, uh, his famous phrase is, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. The delight of God. I saw a meme recently. I think this one's better. It's more fitting for me. Maybe you'll resonate with this one. It said this, God made me for a purpose, but he made me slow. And when I sit, I feel his pleasure. <laughs> Whatever it may be, that's Okay. Some of us really do know the pleasure of God when we just sit. But think about those moments when you've seen somebody's face light up. Maybe it's the, you, you know, this is the wedding. You know, everybody sort of looks back at the bride and then they crane to watch the groom and see his response as his bride walks down the aisle. Maybe it's uh, uh, the, the smile and delight of a child on Christmas morning or um, at some beautiful surprise. Text says, this is how we um, exist under this kind of delight of God in the very wilderness that we long to be delivered from. This is the heart of God's blessing on us. He delights in us. His face brightens. Not at simply us, but at you. At you. Maybe in your sin, your sorrow, whatever it is. Like the warmth of the rising sun, his face brightens at you. Like a, a father or a mother uh, cooing over their child, uh, the scriptures say God sings over us. 
like a, a parent or one who rushes to their child when they skin their knee, um, who um, wants nothing but their children to be safe and well. It says, the text, the scriptures say that God holds your tears. He keeps your tears in a bottle, in his bottle. He loves you. He delights over you. He is for you. This is the blessing that we have, that we exist in, and it's irrevocable. It's to us in the wilderness. The next phrase, the Lord lift up his countenance, is a similar kind of phrase, but the phrasing there is also a phrase that's used by the psalmist to talk about God's uh, salvation. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine so that we may be saved. Psalm 44. Oh God, we have heard it with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nation, but then you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arms save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face. For you delighted in them. Your salvation is in the delight of God. It's in his smile. The next thing that comes is peace. This, This word is, you've heard, I'm sure heard this, or some of you I'm sure have heard this, maybe some of you haven't. It's the word shalom. This is a phrase for just wholeness, completeness, health, and security. One commentator says it this way, even through the deserts of Sinai, Paran, and Zin, and into the promised land and the land of his blessing, which Israel will inherit as a possession, the people will experience the fullness of his blessing of security, prosperity, wholeness, and well-being. This blessing is pronounced upon the people on the front end of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. This is true of us. This is true of you. And so now I want us to just close this out with a, 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 just a step back from it. What, what does this mean for us? What, what, what do we do with this? Does this mean we just sit and soak up the blessing of God? It, it certainly means we do that. Does it mean we sit and soak up the salvation of God? It means we certainly do that. Part of what I think it means, just practically speaking, in the midst of your wilderness, um, one, there's an invitation to believe that God delights in you and that you have the freedom to cry out to him in your sorrow and your sadness and your confusion and even say, God, what in the world are you doing? But I think another uh, implication of this, application of this, is that we are called then also to be the kind of people that even in the midst of the wilderness, rather than fighting to get ahead of where God has us to enter the promised land before its time, if you will, we are to be the kind of people who seek and uh, see and name blessing in the midst of this stuff. He gives this blessing, he, he hands it over, it's a blessing from God, 
It's actually what, if you're familiar at all with this, this kind of language and literature, it's, it's what's happening here in this pronouncement of blessing is it's a speech act, which means that when it's spoken, it happens. That's why we do benedictions, not because I get to bless you, but because when we speak them, it doesn't hold out something for you. It actually accomplishes blessing upon God's people. The speaking of it does it. And so God hands this, this over to his priests, right? Did you notice that? Speak to Aaron and his sons. This is a blessing to be pronounced by his priest. And here's what I want you to hear me say, and I really want you to maybe meditate on this. Christ has made you his priest in this world. What that means is that uh, you and I, as we are the priests of God in this world of wilderness and sorrow, of want and wandering, we are the ones that inhabit this blessing of God, that we actually become the people who live out this blessing as the blessed ones and the blessing ones of God in the wildernesses of our world, that we become the very agents of this blessing, not only amongst ourselves, but into our neighborhoods and our cities and all the empty and broken places, all the wildernesses. Wherever God calls us, that's who we are. That this very blessing is certainly pronounced upon us, but it was always pronounced upon the people of God so that they might carry that blessing to the nations. Right? God said, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests, and through blessing you, the nations of the earth will be blessed. One of my favorite authors who speaks of hospitality says this. He says, thus the church, through the social practice of hospitality, is to host the world, even as it journeys as a stranger through the midst of the world even as it wanders the wilderness, thereby bearing witness to the world's own eschatological possibilities. What that means, the eschatological possibilities, it means that we embody the future uh, promised land that our na- every one of our neighbors long for. We become the priests that bring the blessing of God into all the wildernesses of our neighborhoods, our cities, our world. In order to do that, we have to um, enter into and believe and hold out, hold faith in the reality that we are the blessed of God and that he has imbued us with this great privilege to be the blessing ones in the wildernesses of our world. Then the last thing I'll say is that The blessing here, the blessing of God, is the very blessing that carries you and me and us home. It's the very thing that escorts us across the Jordan into the deepest longing of our souls. God says, I want you to speak to my people and tell them that they are already blessed. That means in the middle of the story, they are blessed. 
In the wandering, they are blessed. In the confusion over how we got here, you are blessed. In the uncertainty about the future, you are blessed. In your frustration and longing for COVID to pass, in your grief over maybe someone you've lost to COVID or recently just to, I don't know, whatever it is, cancer, you are blessed. The surety of your blessing isn't how well received you are on your block or at your work or in our nation or around the world. It's in the very commitment of God to bless you. And as God speaks blessing over you, may it animate your legs, your bodies, and your souls to walk another day as the blessed of God, to be a blessing to the world, knowing that the very blessing of God carries you home. Here's how Jesus says it. Behold, I am with you always, to the very end, perhaps the bitter end, even to the end of the age. You are the blessed of God in Christ, and he will carry you on to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for Jesus, who ultimately is... (laughs) Uh, he is the incarnate word of blessing. And by his spirit, we are carried on through whatever our wildernesses are, even to the end of the age. Lord, I pray that, that for City Press here in Albuquerque, that this congregation would be a kind of congregation that endures through the wilderness and that also Uh, for those who are weak, uh, believes and carries the weak and wounded, the tired, into and through the wilderness, into your blessing. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.